Let's talk with Cold River Mining, a national gemstone and mining company with over 400 design and built sleuths at campgrounds, family fun centers, and other attractions across the country. I'm Alex Burkett, and this is the Outdoor Alliance's podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Ryan Houchins, Vice President of Marketing and Sales for Cold River Mining to talk about their products and how they're creating interactive attractions and hands-on experiences for campground guests. Ryan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Alex. So, I mean, how did you get into this? This is such a super cool business, and I'm curious of, you know, your start and maybe how um, you sort of entered the industry. Um, so, our family has a show cave in southern Indiana, and when that was in development, we had uh, brought on some experts in that industry, and one of the common attachments and, and profit centers for uh, the cave industry is gemstone mining. Uh, we sought out Cold River Mining as customers, and uh, when the previous owner came and installed the sluice, we he approached us about, well, it seems like you guys have this business together. What about uh, taking over my business? And that's where that started. Um, six years ago, uh, Rob Houchins, my father, bought the business, and then five years ago, I came on board this month. Wow, that's such an exciting journey. I know people probably get the concept of gemstone mining. I mean, it's not a complicated product in itself, probably to explain to people. I mean, you get a, a bag or a bucket filled with the gemstones and it's it's a fun activity. But can you talk a little bit maybe about the specific products that you offer and maybe a little bit about even the sleuth process of constructing that and how that all works? So really what makes us different than anybody else out there uh, is the fact that we were customers first. So uh, we really believe in the product and we believed enough that we bought the, the business. And so when we did that, we made a few uh, very select changes to improve the customer experience. Uh, a couple things that we saw as a, as a competitive advantage is the fact that Cold River Mining, we have professionally packaged bags. Um, they go through a machine operating process to come out and they're a standardized size. And so by doing that, we're allowed to have much more standard pallets, um, boxes weigh only 40 pounds and they have 20 units inside of them. And that allows for your staff not to you know, be hauling uh, rocks and sand uh, from the back storage area and taking up more space than it needs to. So by doing that, it's kind of like Lay's potato chips. Um, you can get a huge bag of Lay's potato chips and, and, you know, nobody would say you get more than a third of the bag full. Um, well, that third of the bag is the, the chips in that case. But in our case, uh, the amount of rocks that gems that uh, the customer ends up with at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be the same between um, us and any competitor at, at similar price points. So what makes our sluices a little bit different is that we use a composite lumber material on any touch point for the, for the guest. And what that allows uh, a campground owner, for example, to do is have very, very low maintenance. Um, we don't have any raw wood that's exposed on our, our actual sluices. Um, our towers are made of treated lumber. Um, so they do require some annual maintenance, but nothing on a day-to-day -day basis to keep the sluice looking nice. 
So that composite material uh, allows for no splinters. Uh, they don't have to worry about their guests ever getting hurt on our sluice. We use a composite liner as well. So by doing that, you eliminate any of the hazards that can happen uh, with, with other sluices. And so can you walk a little bit further through the process of getting a park set up and started? If they were interested in this, looking to add this, you know, what does that conversation look like from beginning conversation to actually getting uh, a sleuth live and then getting the product shipped out to their park? Uh, so traditionally, we get a lot of sluice orders in uh, November. You know, we all know Arvik, KOA, Yogi, they're all happening in November. Um, you've got Coney right before that. You've got Pennsylvania right after that. So typically, we're going to have a conversation towards the end of the year. And then those campgrounds are going to open up, you know, March, April, May. Uh, if you've got a Florida park, maybe they're open year-round. And so what we do is uh, we get the order at a, at a show or by phone. And then I have a team of uh, delivery drivers. I, up until this year, I'd been the one installing a lot of the sluices and as well as Rob, the owner, installing those sluices. So we made sure that everybody, uh, as we got new drivers brought on, that they're trained uh, to do everything just like we would. And by doing that, we'll have two, three, maybe four uh, sluices going on a delivery to an area. My guy will show up to a campground. They need a couple people to help them install it, but they install it in two, three, maybe four hours at most. And by the end of the day, that customer has uh, a turnkey profit center that typically for a 150 site or more park is going to pay for itself within the first year. So the initial investment may be uh, $12,000, for example, for a 12-foot sluice. Comes with $6,500 worth of product, so they've already got half their money back when they sell that product. And then they'll usually end up ordering uh, another full pallet of product before the end of that year, which allows them to pay for the sluice and actually be in the black uh, in their first year. And so what kind of profit can an owner potentially expect from something like this? I mean, I've, you know, I, I don't know if you know a little bit of my background, but I worked at a Jellystone Park as well. So I, I know the um, sort of advantage of this product in the way that, as you said, it becomes its own profit center in a diversified revenue stream. And I know that's something that's important to owners when they're considering making a larger investment like this in a new amenity or attraction is what's the profit return that I'm going to get on this and what's the return of this going to be um, versus something else. Absolutely. So, you know, for that little bit of time investment and in setting up the sluice and that little bit of space investment, um, an owner is going to be able of, of just a 150 site park, for example, um, they're going to be able to take that initial investment of $12,000 they will get that return in their first year in most cases. And then they will look forward to anywhere from ten dollars to $15,000 in profit annually moving forward. Um, so that's 150 site park. Obviously, if you've worked at a Jellystone, um, you can attest to there's some larger ones out there. You have three, 400, 500 sites, even a thousand. Um, and when you get to those sizes um it's a small town in and of itself right so 
um, giving sluices uh, a place to be that's near the gift shop can be challenging for some of those larger parks, but it definitely just scales up uh, the profit level as uh, as those campers come and they want to be entertained. They want to have their kids entertained. They want to have a great time. Um, we've had some parks take advantage of some of our best practices recently. So uh, some parks that they go ahead and sell the gemstone mining bags like they would firewood. They'll pre-buy those, those bags before they even get to the park. Or when they're checking in, they say, yeah, we want to go ahead and get two bundles of firewood. And here's uh, four gemstone mining bags for the kids. So the kids are able to go do gemstone mining their first night there. And then guess what they want to do the second night and the third night? They want to go do gemstone mining again. So those, those people that do our best practices can usually see returns that are in multiples of uh, the ones previously mentioned. So 150 site park could do 20,000 in profit if uh, they're using our best practices. Right. And I think one of the things that, you know, often doesn't get talked about a lot when we talk about gemstone mining and some of these attractions is the ability to run it almost without staff, that this isn't an additional expense for staffing and logistics for the business itself, but instead you can sort of sell the product to the campers and then sort of just supervise the area, that this isn't like it's something that requires a ton more capital expenditure for staff and resources that might already be in, you know, short supply because of COVID and, you know, the, the after effects of, of that. So I think that that's a really um, great point. And I think, you know, you might speak to this a little bit. These pretty much can run maintenance-free and, and staff-free and that that's one of the key advantages to this amenity as well. Yeah, for, for gemstone mining, you're looking at five minutes a day in maintenance just to clean the sand out of the sluice. If you're a high-volume park, I've got some lower-volume parks that they clean out every second or third day, and uh, you know that's, that's not a problem for them. The sluice can contain that much sand, and by doing that, you eliminate long downtimes of cleaning sand out of tanks and uh, longer periods of maintenance. So... Yeah, most, when I say most, 99% uh, of my customers do not staff a gemstone mine. They'll set it near near the store uh, so a customer can see the attraction, decide, hey, this is what bag I want at my assay station that's included in every package uh, sluice that anybody buys. I want a green bag. That one has real emeralds. They walk inside. They already know that it's a $10 bag and... They go inside with $10, they buy the bag and come out and it's self-service. Um, so those those guests can take as, as short or as long as they'd like. And uh, if you actually get a little line, it's it's not a bad thing. Right. And, and the line and all the kids who have the bags itself is almost like another silent seller that, you know, once somebody sees a, a child that has one, now every single family, you know, also needs to get their, their kid a bag as well. Ryan, can you talk a little bit about um, some of the trends you might have seen in the industry over the last couple of years, maybe even just the trend of people working and traveling and even schooling from the road, and maybe what impact has that had on some of your customers and maybe the rise of popularity for your guys' product? So the, the traveling families um, is something that 
I can't speak to on uh, on a park to park basis. What I do know is that the families that like like anybody else in camping, um, the families that had planned uh, a European vacation and during, due to COVID, they couldn't go um, and camping was open. They were allowed to go do something that was fun and adventurous and um, may not have been their first choice, but then they fell in love with it and they want to make the most of it and they treat it like a resort in, in the fact that they don't shy away from additional purchases. So I've definitely seen the number of customers that are buying premium products. So products that are over $20 uh, at, at retail. I've been seeing that market grow. Um, our Bonanza bucket that we came out with in 2018, uh, a campground owner buys it at 26 and they sell it between 50 and 75. And that the number of those that we sold in 2022 already versus the same period in 2021 has tripled. So I know that the higher end products are definitely being purchased and the, uh, the customers that, um, have, have taken advantage of that have really cashed in. And is that a traditional almost profit margin on those products that you're selling sort of a 50% uh, or, or so margin on that? I mean, what can owners expect, um, on that moving forward, maybe after they've recouped that initial investment from the sleuth. Yeah, so any of my bags are going to have at least a full return. So if you buy a bag for me at 375, my recommended MSRP is going to be eight to ten. Um, the reality is is that I, I have recommended prices, um, but I'm not the expert. The campground owners are. Um, I don't know what their local market will bear. I've got customers in Florida that will do a 3X markup. And then I've got customers in Indiana that they do a 2X markup. And because I <clears throat> because I pay for the shipping on full pallets for my customers that are east of the Mississippi, um, they are taking advantage of that. And they would rather their guests go through and have more throughput on their sluice than uh, be at higher margins. And they know what's best for them. Right. And that's a really good point is sometimes the, the sizing of the initial sleuth and the investment and the mix of products can differ from park to park. Can you talk a little bit maybe about what some of the more um, popular products you've seen are and maybe if you have something newer or trends that you're seeing product wise, um, maybe some insight to share there for owners who might be interested in an initial order. Absolutely. Well, so you're always going to sell the most of whatever's cheapest, right? Um, even though I just talked about how premium products are doing very well, uh, whatever the, the cheapest product is, is always going to sell the most. So my most popular bag is my yellow bag. Um, it's large gemstone is, is the title on that, but it has three wow factors. And this is something that's really important in gemstone mining is that you allow kids to be experts and have those three wow pieces. So in a yellow bag, they're going to get a crystal. They're going to get an arrowhead, and they're gonna get a piece of pyrite. And if you've never seen a, a four or five-year-old kid pick up a piece of, of pyrite and say, mom, look, I found gold. And just with the biggest smile on their face because they know what it is, they know mom knows what it is, and they are, are getting to be the expert for a moment. And uh, 
that's that's a really valuable piece of this uh, for me is is seeing my customers being really excited. Uh, when you go to the other end of the spectrum, my BB Plus or Big Bag Plus Surprise, uh, that one has gemstones, it has fossils, it has a large surprise in there, which is typically going to be a, a large piece of amethyst or citrine. So uh, a large, a large piece of crystal that somebody could set on a, a shelf or a table and display. And it's really a, a huge wow factor. Um, those typically are, are anywhere from the, the size of the palm of your hand up to even as big as a baseball, just depending on how the amethyst is uh, that day. But uh, those two are definitely my most popular. Um, we did launch in uh, March. <clears throat> we did launch what's called our crystal bag. Uh, that one has some some geodes in it. It's got some higher end crystals that, that they're in my mix, um, but they're in higher concentrations in the crystal bag. So people are excited to see Amazonite, for example. It's a beautiful blue-green color. Um, Bumblebee Jasper which is a yellow and black. So those things are, are in the crystal bag there. And uh, the exciting thing is, is that I should have uh, about seven new bags to show at the, uh, the trade shows this, this fall. Um, I've got one that's ready right now. If somebody was to call an order, they could get what's called my arrowhead bag. Uh, plain and simple. It's, it's arrowheads. Um, but, there are some some people that are, are very uh, excited about that. I know I've had customers asking for it for a few years, so we finally bit the bullet and uh, did some creative work. And we've got some really, really nice uh, Jasper arrowheads in those bags that customers can use as decoration or collection or um, what have you. Um, none of them are actual Native American artifacts, uh, I should say that, but um, people... People love them all the same, so we should we should have seven uh, seven new bags. Yeah, at the at the fall shows. That's super exciting, and I know even for existing customers and new ones alike, having sort of a different product mix and rotation um, has got to be important. Not to just you know have the same um, mix every single time somebody comes to visit. Keep the popular products that are continuing to sell well, but if something isn't performing as high as the owner might like, having the ability to switch it out with something um, and get some insight from you and your recommendation on what's selling well at similar parks, I think is a, a valuable resource to be able to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we see larger larger scale trends, excuse me, um, on what's, what's being picked up, uh, what's going faster in a year. And, uh, you know, especially um, actually piggyback into your, your last question there, Alex, um, we've definitely seen a shift in the last few years for uh, new age uh, religion, new age trends. Um, so the, the concept of wearing a crystal necklace, uh, I think five years ago would have been foreign to most people. That would have been if, if it was part of a piece of jewelry, great. But um, now people are seeking those types of things out. They're they're seeking out the ability to take some of uh, our gems and minerals and turn them into jewelry or carry them around their pocket. They make them feel more uh, stress-free or 
uh, help level out their mood. Um, those are beliefs that people hold near and dear to themselves. So um, we we use all real gems and crystals in our bags, and, and people value that, especially with the popularity of those new age trends. I know you said you're going to be attending some of these upcoming shows. Can you maybe give a rundown of you know where you guys might be if somebody wants to connect with you in person? And then maybe some more information if somebody can't make it to a show, um, how to get a hold of you if they want to move forward and um, invest in this down the road. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm always uh, available by by cell phone uh, or email. Uh, probably the the most consistent way is email. That's just my name, Ryan, uh, R-Y-A-N, at coldrivermining.com. And uh, I check that usually hourly. Um, and get back to people within 24 hours on uh, on new sluices. As well, um, coming up, we've got the uh, Las Vegas gift show that's in September. Uh, we've got the Smoky Mountain gift show. That one's in uh, early November. We've got Arvik, uh, Jellystone, and Smoky. Actually, all three of those are on the same day. Um, so I'll have three teams out uh, at those different shows. But I'll be attending those a little bit better. I'm sorry, say that again. They need to coordinate those shows a little bit better. It seems like there's a, a lot happened on the same day there. Yeah, you know, um, that's definitely been a pain point for a lot of vendors, uh, especially for the last few years, where we've had uh, we've had Arvik and, and Jellystone on the same days. Um, I, I wish that would be. Uh, I wish that could change. Um, that would definitely help out. It's just I know that the, the week following those two shows is KOA and um, another show that we go to is IAPA, um, which is the uh, International Amusement Park show, and that's in Orlando, Florida. Actually, Arvik, KOA, and uh, IAPA are all in the same uh, convention center this year, so that's going to be – that's actually very nice um, for us as a trade show company. But, uh, but yeah, so we've got all those shows in, in November and we'd be glad to, to connect with anybody as well. If, uh, if anybody who's, who's there at Arvik or at KOA, uh, needed tickets to the IAPA show, we've got, we've just got our email this morning about free tickets to IAPA. So, uh, for people who are interested in meeting up with us, uh, we'd love to connect and, and do it at that show or Gateway or Arvik, Jellystone, uh, wherever somebody would like to meet us. Ryan, do you have any um, final thoughts before we take off? You know, moving forward into 2023, what I see on the, the camping industry is that the industry is primed to collect more revenue in park moving forward and be destinations in and of themselves rather than what maybe my parents thought of a campground being a place that you stop off for the night or you uh, use it as uh, your your point to, to go hike in a national park. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but guests are ready to spend money when they go on vacation and that's what they're doing with campgrounds. And uh, I don't think that camp the campground industry should shy away from giving their guests the opportunity to have a better time. 
and that's what they're doing when they've sold firewood in the past. Everybody connects campgrounds with uh, having a campfire. And uh, I think in the near future, that's what people are gonna think about gemstone mining. Well, when we go camping, we want to do some gemstone mining as well. Ryan, thanks again for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for listening to the Outdoor Alliances podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Ryan. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time.